Good morning, church. My name is Kale. Okay. Yeah, you really should have waited until you heard the sermon before you did that. Okay, so my name's Caleb, and surprisingly, I'm one of the pastors here at Desert Springs, and I haven't seen you all in quite some time. I've been away on sabbatical since September, but I am glad to be back. Uh, I wanted to say uh, just a few things about the sabbatical, and then we're going to be in John chapter 1 today, uh, the Gospel of John chapter 1, so if you have a Bible and like to turn there, that'd be cool. Uh, You can use your phone app, or there's Bibles on the tables in the back for those of y'all that are joining us. Online, uh, use a print Bible or just go to Bible.com and there's uh, options there for you. So um, as a church family, one of the things we talk about frequently is making sure that we're taking care of our leaders. We don't want anyone who's serving at Desert Springs to be leading from a place of uh, toxicity or being overwhelmed or burnout or whatever it might be. And so we're always uh, striving to make sure that uh, if you're serving at Desert Springs, that you're, you're healthy, that it's good, that it's a blessing and not a burden. Uh, and for my family and I, that was uh, put into practice through this three-month sabbatical. And so just on behalf of me, on behalf of my family, thank you all so much for uh, making sure that uh, we're healthy and for investing in our lives. Uh, it was a huge, huge gift, uh, right time, right format, uh, big blessing for us. Uh, but it sounds like you all have been busy. I, I'm just kind of on-ramping this week, so I don't really know what's going on. Uh, my key worked today, which was great, uh, super encouraging that my, I got in the building. Uh, but I'm, I'm learning about all sorts of stuff, like uh, just the way that you guys have been putting into practice your faith, uh, striving to live generously and to live out the gospel. Um, you guys have been busy. I heard about the work that you did with the foster care initiative uh, and work with AZ-127. Huge thanks to those of you all that stepped up and uh, pursued uh, next steps in getting training Uh, and care for foster care. Uh, For those of y'all that participated in Tackle Hunger, thank you so much for doing that. I know that that food is going to folks in our community. Uh, For those of you who uh, have been working on or even donating towards uh, care for refugees that are coming into Phoenix, uh, thank you. That seems to be going well. Uh, And for those of you that have been working with Habitat for Humanity, thank you for the work that you're doing, whether it's through projects or donating or just uh, uh, praying over. We, we do believe that the Habitat Project is uh, primarily in, in the Palomino community, which is our community. And so we've got folks from our church family that live in that area. So this, is, uh, this isn't like over there. This is our community. And we truly believe as a church that everyone in our community should have a safe home. And to the best of our ability, we're going to work towards that end. So thank you guys so much for uh, moving in that way, continuing to move in that way. I'm coming back in uh, refreshed and encouraged and just delighted to hear how God's been at work among you. I'm excited to see what he does uh, in the months to come. Um, But I also, I I wanted to just mention a a couple things. Uh, Oh, before I do that, huge, huge, huge uh, shout out to our staff, our board of directors, and our elders. They did an amazing job, continue to do an amazing job. Uh, It was really good for me to be able to step away uh, I was completely locked out of everything, um, which I actually went through a detox. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not joking. I literally was in a room about a month in going like, oh, oh, what's going on? Uh, and so it wasn't because I didn't trust our team. Our team does awesome. It's just because, you know, I'm a workaholic. So that's kind of where I get my uh, unhealthy comfort from, as it turns out, which is something that I learned when I was gone. Uh, huge thanks to our staff, board of directors, and elders. They did a great job, continue to do a great job, and I'm jazzed to continue to serve with them as long as they'll have me. Uh, and big thanks to the uh, uh, 
preachers that came in uh, and filled in while I was gone, whether those of you from uh, Desert Springs who you all know or just some of our guests, it is really cool to see how God has woven together our different church families. We're kind of a non-denominational church, but we are so closely related to many churches in Phoenix. What a blessing it is to be a part of the broader church in North Phoenix. And, and part of that was just to have uh, friends of ours uh, preach uh, in my stead. So huge thanks to them. The purpose of the, the sabbatical was, uh, there's multiple parts to it. One was for my wife, Lori, and I to have an extended time away, kind of away from our normal rhythms here, but also uh, time together, so we kind of called it an extended date uh, over the course of a few weeks. Um, we had time with our kids. We knocked out some bucket items. Great, great time with our kids. Uh, and then part of the time, too, was for me. So part of it was to go away kind of I was kind of by myself. I, I stayed at a place called Tyndale House, which is a research library, and did a bunch of reading, and that was just kind of rest and, and uh, silence and solitude. And then another part of it was uh, some intensive counseling, uh, through an organization called Sage Hill, which focuses on counseling for pastors, which was a huge gift. Uh, and God was very, very good um, to me and to my family. And it also just kind of helped me get a, a space, a, a distance away and some clarity around uh, specifically like the last couple years. So the last two years, I don't think I'm telling you anything new, uh, were a bit difficult, as it turns out. Uh, and for me, it has truly been the hardest two years of my life. Uh, and I don't just mean like, you know, making decisions. For those of you that, that serve, you, you, you've had to lead too. You've had to lead through crisis and chaos, and you've had to make hard decisions. For those of you in your family, if you're leading your family, you've had to do that. So that, that's not unique. Um, but probably, I, I think what I'm, I've come to discover is the thing that was the most, like, crushing for me was just looking back at the sheer number of relationships that are all broken now. Like just this, and, and just for me, uh, and I don't know about you, I know many of you have experienced this too, but we're kind of looking back and we didn't, we didn't get to mourn it. We didn't get to kind of think through it or pray through it. Everything was so crazy. And, and for some of us, it's, you know, we're thinking of one individual relationship right now. For others of us, and in my case, it's hundreds. Um, and, and, and I'm gonna say something that's not gonna sound hopeful, because by itself it's not, but I hope that you'll bear with me till the end of the sermon. Those divisions are not ceasing. Like, like those fights are not going to go away over time. The divisions that we've been experiencing, it's not going to stop. In fact, I, I, I've had a position where those divisions, those, those things that are tearing us apart, it, it feels, at least where I'm at right now, it's just like, man, it's just going to get more intense. So, so that's hopelessness, if left in and to itself. And what we need is, we need a unity that comes from healing and a healing that comes from outside of ourselves. We need a peace that is beyond our own capacities. And, and this, is, this is the pivot, and you already all see it coming because it's the message of Christmas, is that there is a hope that is greater than your and I capacities to mend the things that are broken. The divisions that are between us, it, on, on their own, it's irreconcilable. But because of Jesus, there is a hope. That not only he, uh, he reconciles us to himself, but he reconciles us to each other. And I'd like to 
I'd like to show that uh, from Scripture today. Over the last two years, we, our, our elders and, and our team, staff, board, and, and I, we, we've all tried to navigate this to the best of our ability. One of the things we kept saying was we're going to make the wisest, most loving decision we can based on the information we have at the time and really try to put that into practice, try to put Jesus on display. Uh, but inevitably, we, we, we also recognized that here's all this divisive things, right? Whatever the topic is, you guys, you guys know them all. We believe that Jesus wants to shape us in those spaces too. That, that our objective is not just to get together and, and say all the things we agree about, but rather to recognize some of those divisions and to see, because we're united by Jesus, to see if Jesus doesn't want to speak into those spaces and even shape us. One of the things that we recognized over the last, I've recognized over the last two years, is that creates heat. Then inevitably creates a spark that starts a fire. And that fire, for some, is a repellent. There are some who just don't want to look into that space. We don't want to look into that topic. We, don't want to, we can't suffer it. We don't want to look into that. But that same fire that proves to be a repellent for some has been a signal flare for others. I have heard many stories from you that go something like this. I was giving up on my faith. I was giving up on the church. I don't even know what I believe anymore. Or others of you who are maybe not, uh, uh, haven't been a part of a church before, I've heard others of you say things like, what is on tap out there in the wild is not doing it. And so I'm wondering if there's anything bigger than what I'm finding on offer out there. And, be, and this, is, this is where the signal flare comes in, right? The same decisions that created the fire that have repelled some have drawn in others because I've heard you say, when I heard that there was a church that was going to talk about this or that was going to put into practice this, I'm into that. And many of you are here today or joining us online, and you're just, you're just trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus, but you're curious because you're watching this church family try to live it out. And that's what we're trying to do. One of the questions... Um, <laughs> Like in my industry, one of the questions that uh, comes up frequently when uh, especially a, a lead uh, minister or pastor goes on sabbatical is not when are they coming back, but are they coming back, right? Are they coming back? Still others of us, um, one of the questions is like, what did they do wrong? And uh, you can ask any member of our board um, if I was being punished. Uh, I, I wasn't. Or if this was a leave in order to, you know, for me to check out my job offers or my job, uh, uh, career options, career options. Uh, and I, I want to just answer that real, real boldly and, and kind of straightforward. Uh, I've never been more committed to pursuing Jesus into the hard spaces with a bunch of misfits like you than I am right now. And this has been the most difficult two years of my life, but I am so aware of not only the distinct pain, but the profound beauty that exists when Jesus unites misfits together and heals their divisions and reconciles them in unity. I've not seen anything like it outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm less uh, interested, really, these days in thinking about what we're going to do next. I know it's probably going to be crazy. 
I'm more focused on who I'm going to do it with. And I love y'all. I'm so thankful that you would give my family and I this gift. Uh, I'm coming back well-rested, even though the bags are still under my eyes. I think it might be a genetic thing. I don't know. Uh, I got four kids, too, so I mean rested, you know, well-rested. Uh, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what God has for us. Uh, but I also know that, that if we're going to sign up for this as a church family, we're not only signing up for profound beauty, but also for profound pain because you don't have one without the other. But we are not hopeless. And the divisions that exist can be healed by our risen Savior. We uh, <laughs> was talking to a British pastor, um, and he was like, tell me what it's like, you know, in America, in the States, as they say. Tell me what it's like in the States. And, uh, how's the last couple years been? And I just started unloading, like, you guys know all the things, right? All the things. I'm just telling him all the things. And he's, his face is, like, growing more dour. He's like, man, you know, in his British accent, he's like, we just had COVID. <laughs> like... Man, I, you know, because he was kind of, we were kind of commiserating, and he's like, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and church, there is, like, these divisions are not going away. They, they might shape shift, but I, I, I just want you to see, just pause for a moment, would you please? And I want you just to notice something, that if there is one power force in the universe capable of doing a he, profound healing amongst all this division and uniting a bunch of misfits... It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And notice, just notice where our campus is. Like, notice where you drove to today. We are literally three miles west of Kierland Commons and three miles east of the Palomino community. Palomino, so Kierland Commons, one of the affluent district and the most affluent city in the state, maybe one of the most affluent in the nation. So you go three miles uh, west of our campus, you're in Palomino. Palomino is one of the most beautiful communities, ethnically diverse communities in North Phoenix, but also one of the most underserved. Could you, could you ever imagine people from those different communities ever uniting? And where are we? If there's one gift that we have as in our geographic location, it's that it puts on display what we're trying to do here as a church family, what Jesus is trying to do through us. Only the gospel can unite. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ heals. And, um, man, I'm going to just keep saying these divisions, the reason that I'm so confident in saying these divisions aren't ceasing is because we got to spend some time looking, um, just my wife and I kind of exploring and taking a, a trip down uh, memory lane through, like, world history. Uh, yeah, stuff in Britain is way older than Phoenix. <laughs> like, I go into a house that was built in the 40s, I'm like, whoa, look how old. And they're like, <laughs> you know, we've got dogs that are older than that in Britain. So they, so, so we're weird. Laura and I, we kind of discovered how weird, weird we were. Like this extended date that we were on, we found ourselves um, going to like cemeteries and war museums, right? And les romans. Uh, we just kept, we just, we spent some time in France, spent some time in Britain. We just kept finding ourselves, because they're everywhere. Like there's monuments, cemeteries, and war museums everywhere over there. Uh, in fact, one of the most powerful ones for me personally, uh, we got to visit the, Normandy, the uh, American Cemetery at Normandy. So this is right um, uh, next to the, the, the beach uh, where the beach landings uh, during World War II where the Allies landed. There was five beaches. 
and this is overlooking, I think it was overlooking Utah um, Beach. And one of the most profound things that struck me was, uh, and this picture doesn't even do it justice, was just fields upon fields upon fields upon fields of those who had died in this conflict, had given their lives. It was also striking because earlier in the day, we went to the German World War II uh, cemetery, just, just actually just kind of down, down the way. And one of the things that, that struck me, and, and I need you guys to follow me on this, I'm not trying to make any sort of commentary on, on World War II here or war in general. Can I, can I just say that out loud? But I just want you to just, just pause for a minute and let's reflect on something and just notice something. In the American Museum, what is the primary? It's the primary, it's not the only one. What's the primary signifier? Of, uh, that it, what's the image that you notice that marks where the body is? What's the image? Cross. And then you go to the German cemetery, and what's the image that marks a row of bodies in the German cemetery? Cross. I just want to pause and notice that these are image bearers of God killing image bearers of God. That's all I want to notice, right? I spent some time at the civil, one of the Civil War cemeteries in Tennessee. It was very similar. And that's, I, I, again, I'm not trying to make a commentary. I just want to point out that these divisions between us are not going away. And so what is our hope? And you guys actually, um, you guys sing this at Christmas time. Uh, you guys ever heard, you, do you guys know that the best, Christmas, uh, the best hymns are Christmas hymns? Does anyone else know that? That's in the Bible. The best hymns are Christmas hymns. And one of, my, one of the ones I find to be the most profound is this uh, hymn called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Have you guys ever heard that hymn? It's this beautiful, so remember we talked about how joy and pain are, you, you can't really have joy without uh, deep pain. Um, it is this song of deep longing for the world to be made right by Emmanuel or God with us. There's this one line that strikes me every time, and it has to do with what we're talking about today. O come, desire of nations, bind. In one, the hearts of all mankind. Bid thou our sad divisions cease. And be thyself our king. There is a hope. Divisions aren't going away. Not by our power. People who say time heals all wounds either haven't had enough time or haven't actually been wounded. In my experience, all time does to wounds is cause deep infection. We need a power greater than us to, to bid these sad divisions These divisions cease only in Jesus. Uh, I'd like to just kind of hit on this in John chapter 1. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, uh, um, how many of you guys have a nativity set presently set up in your house? You guys know what I'm talking about? Can you guys just show me so I know that I'm not barking up the wrong tree? Okay. How many of you guys have like an inflatable one out in your front yard? You guys, okay. Um, so I get it, right? Like nativity sets, like we, nativity sets, they're, they're common around Christmas. And I just want to say that the Bible nerd part of me, every time I see a nativity set, I'm like, this is anachronistic and stupid because uh, they, they weren't like, that's not what a manger looks like. And that's yada, yada, yada. But I have grown to view the nativity set 
as an image and a reminder that our sad divisions will cease in Jesus. I'd like to prove it to you. So here's a nativity set, a little woodcut. And, and you guys just tell me, like, what are the figures in the nativity set? What do we got up top here? Angel, yeah, okay, so by the way, that's not what angels look like. Read your Bible. Actually, when you go home today, I think you should read your whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation and then talk with a bunch of people who aren't like you about what you just read, argue about it for the next 50 years so that you can become wise. I think you should do that. You will discover in that process that the Bible's descriptions of angels are not like this. In fact, every time an angel shows up, do you know what they have to tell somebody? Don't be afraid. Okay, let's keep going. So fine, fine, right? Bible nerd part. I'm like, that's not what angels look like. Okay, fine. Uh, who else is uh, present? Of course, the centerpiece, Jesus. Okay, we got Mary and Joseph. We got the Baba sheep here. Then we got shepherds and then, yeah, uh, wise men, magi, kings, whatever, right? Is this familiar to you guys? You guys are familiar with these nativity sets. Now, it, when you go home and read your Bible today and argue about it with a bunch of people who aren't like you, you'll discover uh, that it's, it, it's just impossible that the, the magi would be present at the same time as the shepherds. But remember, we said that's going to be okay. We're going to allow the anachronism because this image is going to prove a greater point. Now, let's keep going. Some of you, this is a testimony to long-suffering for you. You have had the same nativity set in the same box for 30 to 40 years, right? And you, and you, you, I mean, you have to treat this thing with such care because the molecular infrastructure of that cardboard has given way to, the, to time. How many of you all have a box similar to this, the OG box? Yeah, thank God for duct tape, right? And you pull it out, and there's like the remnants of the styrofoam that you're inhaling and giving yourself uh, black lung disease. Okay, so, so uh, evidently this is a Sears nativity set with a bunch of Caucasian people filling in for those who are in the Middle East. Let's keep going. Uh, we've got, um, oh, uh, some of us have more uh, iconograph uh, icons or uh, different traditions that are a little more old school. So this is like an Ethiopian Orthodox uh, you'll notice uh, you've got the same kind of figures, right? You've kind of got your, your out by the plains. You've got the Magi, the baby Jesus Mary, although Jesus is a little older here. And then you've got these horses that look like they're up to something. And I don't know what they're up to, but I'm going to talk to an Ethiopian priest here real soon. Okay, so you might also have some figurines that are quite delicate that you, in the happiest time of year, scream at children not to touch in your house, right? It's about love and grace. And get your hands off of that! Others of us may have more child-friendly, like where it's cut out and things like that, but unfortunately with the two dimensions, like instead of the, the cattle and the donkey look like they're up on a hill, they just look like they're orbiting the moon. Uh, still others of us may have a more modern uh, approach, you know, just kind of a modern take on what it might have been like for Mary and Joe, and uh, <laughs> I think it actually is a pumpkin spice latte, if, I'm not, if I can see it. Hey, no, there's no condemnation. Uh, others of us still, and this is what I, I remember growing up, is we kind of had like, like homemade or handmade stuffed kind, and, and you use it enough, and then the cotton all starts coming out. But, but, but whatever your nativity set was like, just notice, right, we're talking about how the nativity sets that we see often out in the world or in our own homes are an image or an icon of these sad divisions ceasing. I just want you to notice something about this image. Who are the characters present? In the center, you have whom? And then who do you have? Mary and Joseph, 
And then who do you have? Shepherd and the kingmakers from the east. Now, shepherd, you're talking about uh, Jewish shepherds, live in the countryside, probably low income, if not in poverty. They have no gift to bring, as it turns out. But then on the other side of our nativity sets, who do you have? You have the non-Jewish, non-Roman, they're, they're coming from the east, so they're likely you know, considered enemies of the Roman state, uh, kingmakers. I know we talk about wise men, but, but uh, magi, another way to talk about it is like, these are people who would have been in the king's court. They would have, they, like a declaration of a new king, or even looking at the star for the king. This was kind of their job. They were power brokers. What is bringing them together? I just want you to hold on to that thought. What, another way to say it is, what gives them the right or the power to even be together? John, chapter 1, verses 10 and on. Uh, I've got it up here on the screen if you want to follow along. So this is, uh, uh, the author of John is, has been deeply meditating on and is now trying to put into words uh, what, what he understands to have happened at Christmas. And he's not telling Christmas from an earth view, like the Gospel of Luke or Matthew. He's giving you the cosmic view of what happened at Christmas. He says this, speaking of Jesus, he says, Jesus was in the world, or the cosmos, uh, and the world was created through him, and yet the world what? And everyone gasps. Your gasping needs some practice. Right? The, he, he made the whole universe... He came into the universe, came into the world, but did people recognize him? It's interesting. You read your Gospels, which I know you guys are going to do later today, and you just notice that no one knows who this guy is. In fact, he's constantly confounding what we think the creator of the cosmos should be like. Oh, we long to make God in our image. Okay, so the world did not know him right? Did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, right? Imagine if someone rolls in, they're like, I'm the king creator of the universe. And you're like, nah, bro. Busy. Got my plate full, right? His own did not receive him. Oh, by the way, I, I, I'm convinced that the author of John, the Gospel of John, is, is riffing on Genesis chapters 1 and 2. I, 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 he keeps talking, he uses cosmic language, in the beginning was the word, he's doing all that in, in, in verse 1. I, I think that's what he's doing. And so he says, but to all who did receive him, so some people did receive him, okay? Some people are looking upon Jesus and receiving him, receiving him. He gave them the What? Right to be called children of God. Now, I want to just ask you a question. How many of y'all grew up uh, as a kid with siblings in your house? Okay. How many of you worked tirelessly to get your parents to get them out? Okay. I got two younger sisters, homie. I know. Okay. So, I would appeal to my parents. Right? I'm the oldest. Uh, I had two younger sisters. I'd go to my parents. Right? By the way, whose house is it? I live in it. So do my sisters. But whose house is it? It's my parents, right? So I would go to appeal to my parents because there was often times when I didn't like my sisters. And I would go and I would make my appeal. They must be adopted. They must be removed from this household. These people that you have put me with do not belong here. Let's get them a new place. And inevitably my parents said, no, this is our family. 
Now, as a child, in that scenario, what is my relationship to my sisters? Sibling, brother, right? And then I have a relationship to my parents. Whose house is it? It's my parents' house. Ultimately, who gets to decide who's in the house? Mom and dad. Who gives us the right to be called children in that house? The parent. Now, here's what's interesting. I think that John is aware of this phenomenon because he's making this argument. Notice his metaphor here, that those who receive Jesus, he gives them the what? The right to be called what? Children of God. It's interesting, isn't it, that when his disciples went to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? He said, you could pray like this. Our Father. So your nativity set, it's got misfits. They don't fit together, right? And yet because of Jesus, for anyone who receives Jesus, who believes in his name, they receive the right to be called children of God. There are many of us who are new to even investigating who Jesus is, what it even means to follow him. Many of you are, are here uh, just trying to figure it out, and I'm so glad that you're here. You take as much time as you need. You're more than welcome. Others of us have been following Jesus for years, and we're just trying to learn more and try to figure out how all the pieces fit together. You're more than welcome to be here. I, just, I also know this. Um, Many of us, even walking in today, even right now, are asking ourselves this question, do I belong? Or to put it another way, what gives me the right to be here? And I can tell you that it's not about doing good enough, like I got to get my act together so I can belong to a church. Let me tell you, I know most of the people at this church, the bar is low. (laughs) It's not about that, right? Well, if I just do enough Jesus-y things, then I earn the right. No. Anyone who's looking towards Jesus is welcome here at Desert Springs. And we're going to give each other the grace. We're going to strive to give each other the grace, the compassion. We're going to strive to be long-suffering as each of us figure out what that looks like in our own lives. We're going to take the posture of helping each other to follow Jesus. But it is not something that we earn. Notice the language of the text. But to all who did what? Receive. Okay, so Christmas time, it's a season of giving gifts. In good faith, when you give someone that you love a gift, what do you want for them? What do you want them to do? Just receive it, right? And isn't it always annoying, and a lot of us do this, and I do this too, you start like haggling. Like, well, last year, like... They gave me a $57 gift, so this year I have to do the calculation because I have to give them a $58 gift in return this year. And is anyone familiar with this phenomenon? Or they'll be apologetic, oh, I didn't get you anything quite as good. That's currency exchange. Uh, By the way, this is totally biblical, which is why gift cards are evil. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I'm here to tell you, straight from the word of God. (laughs) Gift cards are not gifts. It's just currency made more difficult to liquidate. I would gladly receive your gift cards. But when was the last time you looked upon a gift card and thought, I am truly loved? This person totally gets me. Here's money. What do we want them to do with the gift? We simply want them to what? Receive it. You see, Jesus is calling out to everyone calling out to you. 
And he says, turn from your own way. Turn from your sin. Turn from going your own way. This is called repentance. Turn, right? We're going to have a change of mind. We're going to turn towards Jesus. And anyone who wants Jesus gets Jesus. And Jesus loves you so much. And he calls out to you to simply receive the truth of who he is, to receive it, to take hold of it. And in so doing, he gives to us the right to belong. I've asked myself the question, uh, I I felt this, many of us feel like we don't belong. We're asking, what gives us the right? I, I feel it too. You know what brought the Magi and the shepherds together with your anachronistic, unbiblical nativity scene? Only Jesus can heal these divisions. Jesus wants to speak into them if we would let him in. And church family, I'm I'm committed to doing that work with you. I believe that God has great gifts in store for us as a church family as we pursue him into these spaces because he wants to heal and bring unity. We were born not of children, born not of natural descent, so it's not our family, our ethnicity, our nationality, nor of the will of flesh. It's, it's not our own decision that, that we, we make ourselves into this or someone else does, or the will of uh, humanity, somebody else like we were born into or something. It is by God's will that Jesus calls all to follow him, and anyone who receives that gift, he gives us the right to be called children of God. And so if you call Desert Springs your church home, I just want to say this. Uh, who's welcome at Desert Springs? Yes. And who is Jesus wanting to use us to reach out to? Yes. And will we be different than those people? Oh, let me ask you another question. Are you different than the people around you presently? I know what some of you guys think about certain issues that I care about, and I think that's dumb. And you think the same thing about stuff I think, right? Can we not speak the truth to one another? And yet in that division and difference, Jesus wants to speak in and bring healing if we would but submit ourselves to him. How do I know that we'll find the power to do it? Oops, excuse me. Can we go back one more? I think I broke it. I'm new at this. I'm sorry. The word became flesh. So God became what? Flesh. And dwelt among us. And we observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father full of what? Grace and truth. These words are frequently used throughout scripture to describe God's character. Grace and truth. And we are called as a church family to put on display as imperfectly as we do. To put on display grace and truth. And how we live with one another. How we love one another. How we strive for unity. We strive for healing even in these difficult spaces. Jesus wants to bring into us healing, peace, and love, truth, and grace. I didn't, uh, man, I, I want to tell you guys something. I didn't know how to end the sermon. Um, I'm out of practice, right? And uh, last hour, one of the signs fell down <laughs> right as I got to this point in the sermon. So I kind of forgot what I said at that one. Uh, so I'm going to ask the band to come out. And we're going to sing here in a minute. I'm going to end it here. Um, Man, 
Jesus loves you so much. You are so loved, more than you could ever imagine. And he calls to you to turn to him. And anyone who wants Jesus gets Jesus. And if he so chooses to place you in this church family, wherever you've been, wherever you're going, you are most welcome here, wherever you're at in that process. And we know that God has good gifts to give to us through you and vice versa. And so as we celebrate Christmas together, as we celebrate Christmas Eve this next week, and as we go on into the new year, let us continue to strive to be the type of church that lives in grace and truth. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We know that these divisions are not stopping on our own power. They're not going to go away. And as painful as that is for us, even, to, even for me, just to say out loud, we have a deep and profound hope in you. Jesus, that you are binding together misfits like us and local churches all around the world to put on display your unifying and healing power that you reconcile us to yourself and you reconcile us to each other. And this is a message of hope that this world so desperately needs. And so we ask by the power of your spirit that you would give to us wisdom and direction, that you would increase our long-suffering and our patience with one another, that we would be a community marked by generosity grace, and truth. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus, knowing that you love us and you're powerful to bring these things about. Amen.